This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I'm just reading uh, a, a, an opinion piece by Eric Erickson. Uh, let me just give you the last lines. Um, Cheeto Jesus is for the Republicans. Hillary Clinton, it's for the presidency. And I wash my hands of all of it. Um, it is. It, last night was an amazing night that it was a turning point. Truly a turning point. There is a, a remarkable thing that happened uh, with Ted Cruz. I don't know what else you wanted him to say. He said, vote your conscience. Vote up and down the ticket. Your conscience. Stand for the Constitution. Stand for the person who will not divide and not spread hate, but spread love and understanding. And they know that's not Trump. That's why they had to boo him. That's why they had to boo him. And you know how that booing happened? Trump had sent people out prepared for this. And while Cruz was saying, hey, you got to vote for the person who spreads love and not division and hate, the Trump people were in the audience whipping the audience into boos. So while he was saying, just find the candidate that was love. With, if it was me, I would have immediately done what Gingrich did and said, that's us. It's not good enough. Trump, his people are, well, the, as Eric Erickson says today, uh, I wash my hands of all of it. A remarkable thing happened last night. Remarkable thing. And we begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Listen to this. This is, listen, listen to this from Eric Erickson today. I have done my bit to sound the alarm, to raise the red flag, to point out the now near certain future of a Clinton administration. There has thus far been at least half a dozen elected Republicans who have already taken the stage in Cleveland who have privately, personally told me they agree that Trump will lose. I will tell you, I will tell you that Mitch McConnell privately says and is freaking out that Trump doesn't have a way to win. I know it because I know people who have talked to him about it. The people you are seeing on stage saying one thing all know that Donald Trump is going to lose. Now, he goes on to write, others like Tom Cotton have not told me this, but are already beginning to woo South Carolina, Iowa, New Hampshire delegations, 
They're already campaigning for 2020 because they know, too, that Clinton will win. Events can change things. There could be some unforeseen circumstances that gets Trump elected. The Kremlin, I could, suppose rig voting machines across the nation to help him. That story one day will come out. How Putin cheered on Trump and privately led an online team of trolls to support Trump and harass his opponents. Have you ever noticed, uh, for instance, on my Facebook page, how people don't know how to spell or construct sentences? And it is beyond stupid. Yes. It's not stupid. It is almost as if they don't speak English. At least not as their first language. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the Kremlin or Putin trolls. We already know this has been happening because it was on the front page of the New York Times where, where Putin was caught trying to infect the blaze. Front page of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And as Eric Erickson says, the story one day will come out. Um, a terrible terrorist attack or race rights could stoke enough fear to see a wholesale abandonment of Clinton. Trump's election is not impossible, but it is so improbable that it would take events so terrible that even if he got elected, we'd all recognize he is wholly unqualified for the times that caused his election. Let me ask you this. What was, what was um, uh, Kasich really doing now at the end what 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 was happening with Kasich? What, at the, why at the end of the did, why did he stay in for so long to hurt ted cruz you would think so why would he want to hurt ted cruz we thought it must be he's got to deal with trump right yeah that's a deal with trump. at the time he wants to be vice president did you see Early the news not. that came out yesterday that he was offered? Yeah, not only offered. Did you see what he was offered? No. Well, vice president. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, the most powerful vice presidency in history, supposedly. Because? Because he what? was going to control both domestic and foreign policy. Domestic? He would be put in charge of domestic and foreign policy. What's left? Space policy? Well, that was the question. Right. What's left? So d- he would be put in charge of both domestic and foreign policy while Trump quote, worked on making America great again. The guy has no desire to do the work of president. He just wants to be the president. Now, this might be a good thing for people who say, well, then I'm going to vote for Pence because maybe he's making that deal with Pence. I don't know. But he offered Kasich the opportunity to run with him, and he wanted him so badly, which should tell you something, conservatives. He wanted him so badly that he would offer him charge of domestic and foreign policy. He, they are denying that report. It is uh, important to note, I guess. You know, well, They also denied that Melania, uh, took Melania speech and that they weren't having people boo in the audience, even though... Yeah. Well, they deny everything. Yeah. Yeah. When you mention that, uh, all the Trumpanistas say is, "I'm tired of you talking about it." Yeah, well, I know that talking you're, about it because we're tired about- of talking. People are tired of talking about Benghazi <laughs> with Hillary. Truth is truth. Period. Yeah, truth is truth. Period. So um, he says, um, "I have done." This is Eric Erickson. I have done what I thought necessary. 
I am now going to move on to other things. The GOP has decided to commit electoral suicide. Many Trump supporters think that I will somehow come around to the notion of voting for Trump because they see Trump as better than Hillary Clinton. I see them both as unqualified for office, and I feel no obligation to help American voters destroy the republic. If I vote in the presidential race at all, I will write in Peyton Manning. At least he's a winner of good character. Certainly he won't win, but at least I'll have voted for somebody morally fit for office. My only lingering question is whether I will vote at all. At this point, as I write this, the truth is I do not think I belong to the current Republican Party. I don't. Do you? No. Seeing what you've seen, do you believe you belong in that group? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I I could barely watch a convention. The only thing I could could stand was Ted's speech. And that was difficult because they were booing him at the end when he's talking about the Constitution and your conscience. (laughs) They boo him! And principles. And that's that's the thing that's interesting about that is the audience knows that if someone tells you to vote your conscience, that means don't vote for Donald Trump. They know know inherently that they couldn't cast their vote if they were voting their conscience for the guy they nominated. And And yet they have been... They've been beaten and whipped into such a herd that they will tear somebody apart who says, do the right thing mm-hmm. and follow your conscience. That's like seeing Jiminy Cricket and stomping on him until there's nothing but, but juice on the, on the sidewalk. Yeah, you don't, Pinocchio wouldn't have been a good story if he would have crushed Jiminy Cricket. And that's the thing. The speech was a good speech. He talked about the Constitution. He talked about principles. He did everything really that we've demanded for years. About people. It was a good speech. Great speech. The booing turned it into a legendary speech. Legendary. Because it, the fact that a, a political party would boo the words he was saying mm-hmm. show, tells so much about not the King of Trump, but the party itself. Last night was the Republicans' God vote. When, when the Democrats voted against God three times, and, and that, was, that, was, that should have been a wake-up call to everybody, that party has gone off the rails. That party is no longer a party that my grandfather would have understood. That's not the Democratic Party you think it is, okay? That is full of Marxist revolutionaries now. Same can be said about Republicans. Republicans. Who boo the Constitution. It is all about, it's all about progressive politics now. That's all that party is. And we should, you know, go through this timeline a little bit. Because Ted Cruz turned in this speech to the Trump campaign. The Trump campaign approved this speech. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz met three days ago. In that meeting, Ted Cruz told Donald Trump he was not going to endorse him. Donald Trump still let them on the stage. Then, right before the Cruz speech, uh, Mark Halperin's talking to Paul Manafort. And Manafort, with a, with a coy smile, says, wait until you see the reaction to this Cruz speech. They have multiple witnesses that show Trump campaign operatives walking through the crowd trying to get them to boo at the specific moments. Donald Trump walks into the arena during yep. the speech to at draw attention, end. just like he did to you, Glenn, Andy during wa- Andy uh, the primaries. The arena at the beginning of the speech. Same yes, exact tactic to do that. They start booing. I actually think, if you look at it, there's a good argument to be made 
that Trump was so annoyed and the campaign was so annoyed at Cruz for not giving them the full endorsement that they wanted to create this moment that ruins Ted Cruz, that he would be talking about this. They would start booing and chanting and he would look horrible and walk out. You know that's what I think that's what happened. But the bottom line is, I think it helped. I think it backfired. I think it it helped Cruz. Now, if Trump wins by 20 points and he's a great president, I mean, Cruz is done politically, surely. Uh, But if he doesn't, who else do you look to that stood up and opposed this man? Nobody. Who Nobody. else can you find? Not this man one stood person. up in front of 30 million people and did, did one of the most see? difficult and brave political things you will ever see in and your life. And they called him a coward for They it. called him a coward. I was just, You're I don't know if you've read this. a coward. They're booing him and he right. muscles through it. And they're, and they're saying, the and here's what, here's what Crowdhammer said last uh, night beforehand. You're so proud of him. Here, so was I. Crowdhammer came out last night and said uh, beforehand, look, Ted Cruz is, is a calculating man. He's a calculating man. And I'm like, no, not really. He's a smart guy, but he doesn't do things calculated um, uh, that, that violate his principle. He's a principled man. Yes. Is he smart? You bet. And he said he's a calculated man. I mean, look, he was the guy who said, let me stay away from Donald Trump at the beginning because he thought he was going to burn himself, you know, that Trump would burn himself out and he could get away unscathed. Well, that's not necessarily calculating. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he said, and then he said, but it didn't work out to his favor, but he's a calculated man. So because of that, he knows that the only way to win in 2020, because he's here to win in 2020, the only way to win is to endorse Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So there's yes. no chance that he's not going to endorse him right. because he's far too calculated. And now... What are they all saying? Exact opposite. Exact opposite. He's so calculating, he knew the only way he could win is go out there and do this in this speech. Correct. That's this crazy. was the hardest. That is crazy. That was the hardest thing he could have possibly, the easiest thing would have Can been. Can I tell you something? For him to stand up, cave in, and say, I, I'm a Republican. You, I signed a pledge. I endorsed Donald Did Trump. anyone watch this last night? And I was saying the whole time, like the last five or eight minutes, don't cave, don't cave, don't yes. cave, don't oh cave. Yes. Because he stood there oh, I could tell against, he wasn't, to, he wasn't going to. You could but, tell he wasn't going but to. But the reason why I felt that way is because the wave of hatred that was coming his way, well, it was a tidal wave. It was. And for one man to stand, you know, I said it in stump speeches for him. I said, here's a guy who will plant his flag on the point, and no matter what storm or tidal wave comes his way, he knows his principle, and he will not move. You saw that last night. For him to get quieter and not Mm -hmm. shout over their booze, to not take a cheap shot, to do nothing but finish that speech the way he intended was remarkable courage. Remarkable a, courage. Yeah, they amazing. were chanting "Endorse Trump," uh, booing him, and then at, at, after he said the "Vote Your Conscience" stuff, he went back to something he said earlier in the speech, which was talking about the suffering of the nine-year-old daughter of a booing, and they're booing him, talking about the nine-year-old daughter of a slain police officer. Because I don't think they Bad. expected that, right? Because NBC reported that the Trump campaign had expected him to talk for ten minutes. His prepared remarks went nine minutes, and he spoke for 23 minutes. Um, I don't think they – I think a lot of that speech was no, – uh, but he, no. he stuck mostly to the script because they yeah. – the, the Trump campaign, who is now saying, well, we didn't know what he was going to say, 
they themselves released the text of his campaign to reporters right. before he said the speech. And so they all knew he stuck to the to the, to the script. Now, there was he took some uh, some liars. interesting places to take pauses. OK, okay. so hang on. Hang on. We're going to get to that here in a second. Now, this online businesses are changing the way we shop. Great companies are being built without the need for brick and mortar stores. This is happening everywhere. Brick and mortar, the way things have been done in the past, it's all going to be a thing of the past. Unless the government starts to screw with the internet, which... Anyway, this is how it works now. You manufacture a product. You cut the wholesaler out. You cut the retail store out. They sell the product right directly to the individual. You get a great product as the person purchasing, and they get a lot of money that they're not splitting, uh, you know, six different ways. So you're getting a great product, you're getting a much better price, and they're getting the profit that they need. Casper Mattress is a great example of this. Time Magazine, it's not just that they're cutting out the middleman so they're saving you money. They've made a better product. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. It is the most awarded mattress of the century. It's, it's revolutionary in what they've done. And they took that revolutionary product and have revolutionized the way mattresses are being sold directly to you. You will it's it's mind boggling how little you will pay for this mattress compared to a mattress of anywhere near this quality. Casper mattress. You can try it out in your house for uh, 100 nights. They'll send it to you. You don't like it. They'll refund 100 percent of your money and they'll come and pick it up for free. Casper mattress. Try it in your home right now. Want a great night's sleep? Sleep on a Casper mattress. Go to Casper.com. Use the promo code Beck. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com. Promo code Beck. Oh, yeah. this, this speaks volumes in and of itself. The Ted Cruz speech in the room last night was not perceived well. On the floor, he, a quote from somebody we know that was on the floor, Ted managed to turn everyone on the floor against him. Now, it was so bad, and again, what did he say? Stand for the Constitution. Vote your conscience. Stand with love and not hatred. While he's talking about that and the booze start, um, uh, Ted's wife is encircled by people who start to turn on her. So much so that security is dispatched around her and she's escorted out of the building with security. My gosh. That's who the GOP has become. Wow. That's who the GOP has become. The first reports were that they were chanting, uh, they were screaming, Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs, and getting closer better. and closer around her. Around it's funny, because isn't yeah. Trump's finance guy going to be oh, yeah, yes, Goldman he is, Sachs? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. I mean, he's done so much work with Goldman Sachs, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, please. 
But anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that speaks volumes. But let me tell you something. To give that speech in that room and for them to get louder and him to get quieter says one thing. And whether it works or not, I don't know. Um, I think there is a massive split coming. Um, and it's either going to be the Reince Priebus people or it's going to be people with principles. It's um, but there's a split coming. And I will tell you, to stand there in that room, he was giving that speech to the American people. I think it's one of those things that didn't play well in the room. But I think I'd love to hear from you. Call us up, 888-727-BECK. I think that it played well in the country, but not in the room. And I don't think this is going to make the impact now that it will make in November or in uh, next spring or when this thing finally comes undone. This is a historic speech, and Stu's going to take us through some of the well-placed pauses that he found interesting. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. So let's go through. Stu said there were some interesting things where uh, where he decided to pause last night, Ted Cruz, and um, and it's he said it spoke to him. Yeah. I mean, do, we, do, do we have the audio? Can we play some of it? I mean, it's just better to just illustrate it. Yeah, sure. Now Hillary Clinton believes that government should make virtually every choice in your life. Education, health care, marriage, speech, all dictated out of Washington. But something powerful is happening. We've seen it in both parties. We've seen it in the United Kingdom's unprecedented Brexit vote to leave the European Union. are overwhelmingly rejecting the political establishment and overwhelmingly rejecting big government. That is a profound victory and it is one earned by each and every one of you. Yep. It's great. Yep. I mean, and again, you know, uh, Nothing here, and as Cruz said this morning, when he went to a Texas GOP uh, delegation breakfast, where he was, by the way, welcomed with a standing, with a standing ovation. ovation. Huh. Um, he uh, he he talked about this, and and really, he said in in the breakfast this morning, I said not one negative word about Donald Trump. No, in not that one. Nope. Not he one. was very gracious. Not one. And by the way, those who say that, well, he made a promise. Let me ask you something. He fulfilled Stu. the promise. He's, the promise was well, he would support. support. He was there in support. Worse the guy. Right. And so, so he didn't say anything negative about him. None. Oh, congratulated him. Right. He just wouldn't throw in with him. Now, let me ask you something, Stu. If I looked at you and said, 
Stu, and you're going to have to use your imagination on this. <laughs> will, you be my, will you be my best friend forever? I mean, we're such Aww. good friends. Can we just be, be, will be, will you be my best friend forever? Yes, I will. Okay. I will. Promise me? Yeah, I, pro- I take a, I'll take a pledge. Okay. I'll take a pledge. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Pat, mm. have you seen the bitch that Stu's wife is? What the? I mean, she's a slut whore. Well, I can't believe And his dad. What? His dad, I, I think, was a murderer. I, he wasn't a... Uh, Wait a minute. I'm not going to... Support- You're not questioning our friendship, are I'm you? I'm not going to be best friends. You present. promised me that you would be friends with me. <laughs> oh, that's forever. right. I did promise. Forever. You said we would be best friends forever. <laughs> Nobody does that. I think that's... There, a- there, there, are, there are things that happen in a campaign... And aside from the personal attacks. Yeah. The guy stands against everything Ted Cruz believes right. principally. And, we, right. and honestly, I don't think we knew... I mean, I did, but I don't think everybody knew... Who Donald Trump was in August. Also, I think Ted Cruz didn't think he was going to win the nomination. Yes, right. So he felt safe in that. But, but, but I mean, I and I, and there's I, one thing to say. He, A, he said support, not indoors. He said support. And he did. He showed up last night he and he said, and it is only those Republicans who know Donald Trump is a fraud that are complaining. Yeah. Because he said, I support and you should vote for somebody who's going to defend the Constitution, somebody that's going to reduce the size of the government, somebody that won't divide us and will preach love and not hate, somebody that will stand up and do the right things. I mean... Screw you! Yeah. Uh, yeah, Amazing. And and not just that, by the way. We should point out that he also said we should take control of the border by building a wall. Yes, he he threw plenty of bones. threw plenty of bones his way in the middle of the speech. But, I mean, fundamentally... Ted Cruz did not only take the pledge for uh, to support the Republican nominee. He took multiple pledges, pledges he thought would work together. The other one, the main one being he pledged to support and defend the Constitution. The problem with this nominee is you can't have a pledge that says support the nominee and have a pledge that says support the Constitution. You need to choose one of those two things. And he did. And Ted did. One raised his right, on one of those pledges, he raised his right hand and swore to God he yeah. would do it. Yep. And you know what? How many times? I, I, I'm so pissed off this morning. How many times did Donald Trump go back on the pledge he took? Well, I don't know. I didn't uh, to see if they treat me fairly. Well, I, okay, now I'm back on board. Well, I don't know. They're not being very nice to me. He did that over and over and over matter. again. I have to tell you, I'm filled with hope. I am too. I'm filled with hope today. He's a man I'm not person. angry. I'm filled with hope today. Here's a guy. Look, here's how this. I have gonna, hope and anger. I want to both. By the way, we're going to get to Hillary Clinton and how horrible of a candidate she is here in just a few minutes. Um, uh, we have day three, and this is where it gets really dicey for Hillary. <laughs> day three on our four-part series on the the corruption of Hillary Clinton today is an absolute don't miss coming up in about 15 minutes. But I will tell you that um, the only one that I cannot predict is politics because politics is a world in and of itself um, and it affects everything and is so discredited. The politics, the parties and the politicians are so discredited that I don't know if this will hold true for individual politicians because there's so much slime on them that I don't know if they can actually weather this storm. But Ted Cruz has the chance of doing it 
based on last night. Now, let me hear me out. And I want you to apply this to your business or what you're thinking about doing in your life or whatever. I have told you that everything is going to be turned inside out, that everything will be upside down. What you thought you could count on, you will not be able to count on. We've already seen that, right? When I started to say that, you had to kind of use your imagination. And, well, what does Glenn mean by that? You don't have to use your imagination right now. You know, I thought I could count on this network. I thought I could count on this politician. I thought I could count on my party. I thought I could count on the rule of law. I thought I could count on the American people not excusing cop killers. I I thought I could count on a lot of things. You don't count on any of those things anymore. I thought I could count on my neighbors. I thought I could count on my local school. Nope, nothing. I thought I could count on the dollar. Nothing. Okay, I'm going to ask you now to stretch beyond that And now see what I really meant, because now you're at that point where you can understand that things have changed. It's going to change as more than it already has. But the phase that we're going to go into next is the final death of it all and the rebirth. And this is really the last call for decoupling. Remember, I've said, spit yourself out of the system. I've said that for years. The only way to survive is to spit yourself out of the system. That's what we have done. We did it way early. We were the pioneer of doing this. Nobody nobody was doing it when we did. It's not the same anymore. Because we've pioneered this, now others can do it. I had to spend all my money to build it. Now it's built Now there is a platform, and it's not just mine. Others are building it. Now I have have people from gigantic corporations come to us because they're studying us and talk to us about how to do it. How can this work? Who can do these things? But this is going to happen in your business as well, in your life. Spit yourself out of the system means... Stand for principles. Stand for things that are unchangeable. Do not go with the whims of the day because brick and mortar companies, malls, how you sell your goods, um, what you do, 50% unemployment in the next 20 years. 50% unemployment is coming. Now, how do you survive? How do the networks survive? They don't. They don't. They don't. How do the cable companies survive? Selling you 400 channels. They don't. It's all going to be about individuals, and it's all going to be about personal choice. And and the group think has ended in the power structure but the group think is just beginning as the invisible hand. So in other words, somebody having to say, Macy's having to say, well, we're going to buy these clothes, and if we don't buy your brand, nobody's going to buy your brand, and so you're out. So adapt to us. No, don't do it. Don't adapt. Stay true to who you are and the principles that are everlasting, no matter what business you're in. 
because Brexit is going to happen to everything, not just politics, but to everything. And unless you stand and are known for somebody standing for the truth and principles and being the authentic you, you will not survive. You will not survive in your business, in your personal life. You won't make it. And it's going to be tough. But now is the time to lead. Now is the time to have the courage to step out in front because those who are stepping out in front now will be remembered in time as the pioneers. Some will be lost because of, you know, political correctness or whatever. Some will be so unpopular. But trust me, just like Tesla, in the end, the truth will come out. I was watching last night, and in fact, I wrote to Ted. The truth will set you free, but it will make you miserable at first. I don't know how he felt last night when he walked off the stage, but that couldn't have felt good. No, I mean, it was reported that he went up to, to a suite and he was blocked by a billionaire. Sheldon Adelson. Sheldon Adelson wouldn't let yeah. him in. I mean, uh, the, look, there's going to be a lot of people not up, uh, that don't like this. You know, but to Ted Cruz, it's not about teams. It's not about red shirts versus blue shirts, as he said. Can this I tell morning. you something? You know what's so impressive last night that nobody is talking about? Do you realize what he said last night? Not about Trump. Do you realize what he said? He came out and he supported uh, gay marriage. You hear that? Well, I don't know if he supported yeah, no. gay marriage. He-, he supported the right of gay marriage should your state approve. That's not been said at a GOP convention. That is constitutional. So he's not supporting it. He's not saying that's my choice. But what did he also say? I've never heard a presidential wannabe ever say anything like this at a GOP convention. And by the way, Colorado, if you want to sell drugs, sell drugs. Mm -hmm. Texas isn't going to. That That is a fundamental shift back towards the Constitution. He planted the stakes for a constitutional uh, Republican Party. Tenth Amendment. Yes. And, and that, that is remarkable mm-hmm. to happen at a presidential ca- a campaign um, in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a conference like that. I don't think I've ever seen that. Have you ever heard that before? No. No. Never heard that before. He said it last night. Here's our sponsor this half hour. The government is attempting more gun restrictions, driving up demand for firearms, and more Americans are turning to Liberty Safes more than any other brand to protect their guns. Um, all of us have Liberty Safes. I think, yeah, Jeffy, you even have one. You have the, what's the name of yours? Um, uh, I have the, uh, the Fat Boy. Yeah, the Fat Boy, mm. which is weird. It was named after Jeffy. Uh, but you can, <laughs> if you want to look for a Fat Boy, uh, Liberty Safe has one, as, as does uh, Jeffy's wife. Uh, Liberty Safes. Um, one of the best things that you can do. What? Wait, what? No, she has the safe too. Oh, she also, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Co-owner. Um, uh, uh, best thing you can do for the security of your family, security of your guns, and, uh, and protect the things that, you know, you could put in a safe. 
LibertySafe.com, the number one website for safes, handgun vaults, and accessories. LibertySafe.com. Type in your zip code, find the dealer next to you. You'll find the biggest retailers. Uh, Gander Mountain is one of them, has more than 160 stores nationwide. And Gander Mountain is having their biggest sales event of the year, their uh, summer blowout sale, Liberty Summer Blowout Sale, starting at $459. You'll save hundreds of dollars on Liberty Safes along with the factory rebates on select models. But hurry, the sale ends August 5th. Go to LibertySafe.com, find your nearest Liberty Safe dealer or Gander Mountain store. It's Liberty Safe. You'll find the best safes money can buy at LibertySafe.com. Mercury Museum presents Liars or Liberty, featuring thousands of artifacts from early America, World War II, pop culture, and more, all on display at the Mercury Studios in Las Colinas, Texas, August 5th through the 7th. Visit glennbeck.com slash liars or liberty for tickets and details. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Let me go to Judy in Pennsylvania. Hello, Judy. How did the speech play at your house last night? Well, I sat there with tears in my eyes, knowing this was a Reagan-esque speech and everything the Tea Party has claimed to pray for. Hmm. He is an honorable, good man, just as you are. Oh, thank you. Um, Um, No, thank you. And please, please, Glenn, stop being so heartbroken. That you you're being tried by fire, just like Ted well, and the I, rest of us. Judy, thank you. We are all going through it, and um, we'll all go through our own personal times, and we all have. I just happen to be having mine, and it's in front of ten million people. Um, but I will tell you this: I feel hopeful today, um, and I would not have felt. I would have felt really badly if Ted would have abandoned his post uh, last night. Uh, but I thought he did it with absolute class. Remember, Ronald Reagan, they were all holding up. Krauthammer was holding up Reagan's 1976 speech and saying, this is what he needs to do. Uh, well, that's what he did. Ronald Reagan did not endorse Gerald Ford. He said, stand up for the principles and win with these principles. That's exactly what Ted did last night. And it's exactly what Ronald Reagan did in 1976. And by the way, Gerald Ford set Ronald Reagan up, too, for failure. Wait until you hear that story, and we'll play his speech coming up in a minute. And the truth on Hillary Clinton, episode number three of her corruption. Today's a don't miss. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. It's beyond classless uh, for, for Ted Cruz to come out last night and not endorse a guy, endorse a guy who uh, said his 
father was involved in the assassination of JFK, that his <laughs> wife was ugly, and that he was a, a serial philanderer. Um, how unbelievably classless uh, of Ted Cruz <laughs> to do that last night. But let's talk about Hillary Clinton, because Hillary Clinton is a danger to the republic. How do we know? Well, she can say whatever she wants right now, but she'll say whatever she has to say to get elected. Huh. We know who she is because of her past. And her past is pretty full. Part three. So far, we've learned about Whitewater, Travelgate, Filegate, Chinagate, basically all of the gates. Today, we explore how she covered up her husband's many indiscretions with women. Hillary Clinton, a champion of women? I don't think so, but you can decide. Episode number three of The Scandals of Hillary Clinton begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The year 1992. Bill Clinton was a young and obscure multi-term governor from a very small state. At first, it seemed the American people were pretty uninterested. Clinton's poll numbers at the start of his candidacy were under 2%. He had gained some momentum by the beginning of the primary season, but still finished a distant third in the 1992 Iowa caucus. As New Hampshire drew closer, Clinton was polling far behind Massachusetts Senator Paul Songus, and the Clinton women scandals were already catching up to them. The name Jennifer Flowers was now everywhere in the news. Bill and Hillary knew they had to do something to change the momentum. So, after Super Bowl XXVI, the Clintons appeared together on 60 Minutes to address the allegations being made by the woman named Jennifer Flowers, who claimed she had a 12-year affair with Bill. The Clintons knew full well that a poor showing would end his candidacy. Who is Jennifer Flowers? How would you describe your relationship? You know, friendly, but limited. I I met her uh, in the late 70s when I was Attorney General. Uh, She was one of a number of young people who were working for the television stations around Little Rock. uh, She left our state, uh, and for years I didn't really hear from her and know what she was doing. Was she a friend, an acquaintance? Did your wife know her? Oh, yes, sir. She was an acquaintance, I would say a friendly acquaintance. Uh, When this story, this rumor story got started in the middle of 1980, uh, and she was contacted and told about it, she was so upset, and she called back and she said, how can I be listed on this? I... I haven't seen you for more than 10 minutes in 10 years. Or she would call the office, or I'd call her back there at the office, or I'd call her back at the house. And There's nothing uh, out of the ordinary there. She's a legend and is described in some detail in a supermarket tabloid, which she calls a 12-year affair with you. It, that allegation is false. Bill and Hillary's performance was convincing. You know, I'm not sitting here as some little woman standing by my man like Tammy Wynette. I'm sitting here because I love him and I respect him and I honor what he's been through and what we've been through together. And, you know, if that's not enough for people, then heck, don't vote for him. When the voting in New Hampshire was over, Bill had severely cut into Songus's double-digit lead. 
As convinced as the American people had been by the Clintons in that 60 Minutes interview, and they were convinced. Bill Clinton has got to level with the American people tonight. Otherwise, his candidacy is dead. You feel like you've leveled with the American people? I have absolutely leveled with the American people. We're going to do the best we can to level with people, and then we're going to let them make up their minds. Because I think if the American people get a chance, and if they're trusted to exercise their vote right, because people talk to them about real issues, this country will be okay. That's what we're betting on, and we're just going to roll the dice and see what happens. You called it a gamble. Uh, you came here tonight to try and put it behind you. You're going to get on the plane when you walk out of this room and go back to New Hampshire. You think you've succeeded? That's up to the American people and to some extent up to the press. History has proven that the Clintons had not leveled with the American people, that in fact virtually everything they said in that interview were lies. As we later in 1998 discovered that Bill Clinton admitted under oath he had indeed been having an affair with Jennifer Flowers. But she was just the tip of the iceberg, and it was a Titanic-sized iceberg. There had been women other than Hillary before Jennifer Flowers, and there would be many after. In the late 70s, an Arkansas nursing home administrator and Clinton supporter, Juanita Broderick, was to meet with Clinton in a Little Rock hotel lobby. Bill asked if they could instead meet in her hotel room to avoid a crowd of reporters. She agreed. She has said that she regretted that decision ever since. Broderick claims that when they got to her hotel room, Clinton raped her. Then what happens? Then he tries to kiss me again. And the second time he tries to kiss me, he starts biting on my lip. He starts to uh, bite on my top lip. She says, quote, it was real panicky, panicky situation. I was even to the point where I was getting very noisy, yelling, please stop. But he didn't. Afterward, Bill Clinton headed for the door. When everything was over with, and he got up and straightened himself. And I was crying at the moment. And uh, he walks to the door and calmly puts on his sunglasses. And his, before he goes out the door, he says, you better get some ice on that. And he turned and went out the door. On your lip. Yeah. How does this have anything to do with Hillary? Well, two weeks after the alleged rape, Broderick, who had been scheduled to attend a fundraising event for Bill, feeling responsible for the attack because she had let him into the hotel room, did show up at the event. There she encountered a determined, and to Juanita, frightening Hillary Clinton. I almost got nauseous when she came over to me. And she came over to me, took a hold of my hand and said, I've heard so much about you. And I've been dying to meet you, or been wanting to meet you. I can't, this is paraphrasing right now. And she said, I just want you to know how much that Bill and I appreciate what you do for him. And I said, well, thank you. And I started to turn and walk away. This little soft-spoken, pardon me for the phrase, dowdy woman, that was seen very unassertive, took a hold of my hand and squeezed it and said, do you understand everything that you do? And I got my hand from hers and I left. How hard was she? She was really squeezing. Yes. 
She was just holding on to my hand. She didn't because I had started to turn away from her. And she held on to my hand and she said, do you understand everything that you do? I mean, cold chills went up my spine. That's the first time I became afraid of that woman. In 1991, Paula Jones was an Arkansas state employee. Apparently, one of the state troopers that allegedly procured women for Clinton while he was governor, in a scandal that became known as Troopergate, overheard her say that she wouldn't mind being Clinton's mistress. So, on May 8th, she was escorted by the trooper to Clinton's hotel room, where he allegedly propositioned and exposed himself to her. The advances were unwelcome, and Jones sued just before the statute of limitations expired. Clinton won the first round as a judge ruled that Jones could not show any damages from the incident. Jones appealed, and eventually Clinton paid Paula Jones $850,000 to drop the suit. In 1993, a White House volunteer under extreme financial distress, Kathleen Willey, came to the Oval Office to seek Bill's help in procuring paid employment. Instead of offering help, Clinton sexually assaulted her. Willie wound up becoming an unwilling participant in the Paula Jones case. Then, a 21-year-old unpaid intern came to work at the White House in June 1995. This seemingly insignificant occurrence would begin a chain of events that would lead to the impeachment of the President of the United States of America for only the second time in our nation's history. The unpaid intern's name was Monica Lewinsky. By November, she and the president had started the sexual affair that would rock the White House. It continued for several years until the relationship finally came to light after Lewinsky shared details with a friend, a civil servant named Linda Tripp. Tripp had worked just outside the Oval Office and right next to the office of Hillary Clinton in the West Wing. She recorded what Lewinsky had told her and eventually went to the press with the story. Newsweek had the story, but decided not to run with it. However, such was not the case on the burgeoning Internet, and an unknown and up-and-coming website called The Drudge Report. In 1998, Drudge ran with the story and blew it wide open. Eventually, there were hearings and lies to prosecutors, and in the end, impeachment proceedings. Hillary addressed the issue, blaming the right. The great story here for anybody willing to find it and write about it and explain it is this vast right-wing conspiracy that has been conspiring against my husband since the day he announced for president. Bill addressed the issue in no uncertain terms. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. But one year later, Bill addressed the issue again. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Miss Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part for which I am solely and completely responsible. Linda Tripp has said of Bill Clinton that... Everyone knew within the West Wing, particularly those who had spent years with him, uh, of the thousands 
of women. But again, what does this have to do with Hillary Clinton? Worse, Hillary Clinton not only has always known about it, she made it her personal mission to disseminate information and destroy uh, the women with whom he dallied. From the start, it has been Hillary Clinton at the heart of the Clinton scorched earth policy regarding the women victims of her husband's inappropriate behavior. Judicial Watch found in an effort to discredit the women who charged President Clinton with sexual misconduct, personal files and papers were illegally obtained and released. The courts found, under the Privacy Act, that the privacy of Linda Tripp and Kathleen Willey had been violated. End quote. This is from a Judicial Watch report, citing just a few more than 900 relevant files. Judicial Watch said that Hillary had been linked, quote, directly to the center, end quote, of the controversy. And yet, as she campaigns for president, Hillary Clinton released this amazing public service announcement about sexual assault. I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice. You have a right to be heard and you have a right to be believed. We're with you. A seemingly difficult stance for a woman fighting for women's rights that never believed and instead sought to destroy anyone and everyone that ever accused her husband. Next, the First Lady to the U.S. Senate to the Secretary of State and now potentially the Presidency. Glenn Beck. Really remarkable and the scandals uh, related again directly to her continue on tomorrow uh, and wrap up on tomorrow's broadcast. If you want this serial, all you have to do, it's free. Just go to glennbeck.com slash serials. And you'll find all kinds of history serials and um, educational serials and pass them on to a friend um, and do your own homework. Don't stop there. Do your own homework because there's a lot more that was left out of all of these serials. Home burglaries skyrocket in the summer. Protect your home with the right security system. Big security companies lock you into a contract for years and then they charge you $40, 50 or $60 a month for the monitoring. There is, they, they are more interested in their bottom line than they, than they are in you. Simply Safe has created a home security system that listens to you. Um, this started as a favor to friends. This guy who's a MIT engineering student, he went um, and his friends were, their houses were being broken into, but they rented a house so they couldn't put wires in the wall. And they needed a security system. And he said, I can make something wireless for you. And he made a prototype of what has now become Simply Safe. Um, and it was so good and so effective that all of their friends started saying, Where did you get that? And he started making more and more of them. And then he thought, You know what? This, there are a lot of people in this situation that you don't, it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. You can take it with you, you can own the system. And then once he really got it off uh, the ground, he added the 24-7 monitoring, which is award-winning monitoring. It is the best in the business, but it's $14.95 a month. You're overpaying for your home security by tenfold. There is no reason to pay $50 or $60 every single month. They say they're going to give you the free security system, but you're overpaying. Over, with, when, when they lock you into a contract... 
They're raking in the money. No contracts, transparency, and the way business ought to be done. Protect your home simply with Simply Safe, like having a security guard stationed right at your front door 24 hours a day. And you can get a 10% discount right now by going to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Do it now, simplysafebeck.com. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck takes on some of the most pervasive lies and destroys the false promises of progressivism by taking you through its history. Get the truth in Liars, the new book by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program wipe them out yeah right because uh why would you want the endorsement from this liar from lion ted a guy who lies so much you've named him a liar lying ted is now his name and you want his endorsement well his endorsement would just be a lie anyway yeah well it's it's it's, it's true it would have been a lie because donald trump wants to destroy him and so does the gop yeah gop set out last night to destroy ted cruz and because of the way he handled it with class, we're going to show you in just a few minutes uh, the way Ronald Reagan handled 1976. And you show me the difference. Show me the difference. Um, it was quite, a, quite an amazing speech last night and in 1976. Uh, listen to this, uh, and I know you don't need to listen to this, but uh, Jeffy, Pat, if you haven't seen this part of Liars yet, uh, listen to this uh, related to last night. We need to show progressives there is a better way, that we don't need to be dazed and blinded. There is a better path to the ultimate light, the full embracing of our founding documents as a compass that, will always, that always points us back towards liberty. It, it starts with you in your homes, your families, your schools, your communities. You must be on the lookout for creeping progressivism, and when you fight, find it, fight it with ideas. Be firm in your commitment to your rights and show others that true freedom comes from the respect for the individual not mindless collectivism. A group of people booing someone who says vote their conscience might be a good example of mindless collectivism. I added that last part. <laughs> be true to the ideas that have sustained us since our founding and remained enshrined in our Constitution. They have saved us before, and they can save us again. I mean, echoes the sentiment of that who, speech. I don't know where you found that. That is page 272 of Liars, your new book. Uh, so, yes, that is oh, what that I found like it. a good book. Can don't you dismiss anywhere? the idea just, just because, because it came from your new book. That's right. Um, I mean, if, if you think about that, um, and, and you see the example, the exact opposite happening last night. Forget the fact if you like Ted Cruz or no, Donald you, Trump. Yeah, you saw, Don, you saw Ted Cruz living by those words yeah. last night. And you saw the mindless collectivism of, of Donald Trump's. Yeah. I mean, that's, that should be frightening from the, the, the other major party, the party that's supposed to be for the rights of the individual, the, the ones that are supposed to think independently. I mean, that is just... The ones that are supposed to throw off the shackles and the chains of slavery mm. are enslaving themselves to a party. Think of that. You've enslaved yourself to a party because as, as George Washington said in his farewell address... Um, 
they will st- these two parties will start fighting each other and the grievances will get so great that you will no longer look at your own party. It will just be about stopping the other one. Yeah, it becomes sports. Yeah, and there and that's that's where we are. More in just a second. Welcome to the program. Boy, we have so much to cover today. Dinesh D'Souza for a full hour next hour on Hillary Clinton and the things that he has discovered and has to talk about with Hillary Clinton um, and his new movie uh, that opened up really to rave reviews last weekend here in Texas and I think is opening up this week nationwide. Uh, Dinesh will be joining us here in just a few minutes uh, on that, which is perfect for uh, a movie that everybody should see. You know, um, just saying you should go see Hillary's America maybe in Philadelphia next week. Um, I want to play a couple of things. First of all, here is um, Ted Cruz and what he is facing this morning. Listen. Well, thank you, ma'am, and th- thank you for, for, for speaking and speaking, speaking from your heart. I will tell you, when I stood on that debate stage and they asked every candidate there, If you don't win, will you support the nominee? I raised my hand, and I raised my hand enthusiastically with full intention of doing exactly that. And I'll tell you the day that pledge was abrogated. The day that was abrogated was the day this became personal. And as I said at the time, and I'm not going to get into criticizing or attacking Donald Trump, but I'll just give you this response. I am not in the habit of supporting people who attack my wife and attack my father. This is this morning. These are comments this morning. And that pledge was not a blanket commitment that if you go and slander and attack Heidi, that I'm going to nonetheless come like a servile puppy dog and say thank you very much for maligning my wife and maligning my father. God for this man. And, and I, I will note, sir, you're making crying signs in the back. I will note, sir, that, that you might have a similar view if someone were attacking your wife. In fact, I, I hope you would. I hope you would. No, no, this is not politics. I will tell the truth. I will not malign. I will not insult. I will not attack. I will tell the truth. This is not a game. It is not politics. Right and wrong matters. We have not abandoned who we are in this country. No, sir, I do not believe that is correct. You know, the other thing is, 
a guy who proved himself to be incapable of handling the job of president of the United States over the last nine months, you can't vote for that guy either. I mean, uh, when, when, when he made that pledge, maybe he didn't know all that he now knows about Donald Trump. Well, he certainly has proven over and over and over. He doesn't know the issues. Certainly didn't know that he would be behind spreading lies, that he was a serial philanderer, right. that he would uh, malign his wife and that he would spread the lies that his father, father killed JFK. JFK. I mean, that's that's crazy. Nobody could have predicted that stuff because that stuff is crazy. That his he lack do- of knowledge of the Constitution, his lack of knowledge of any of the issues. I mean, you can't endorse that guy. No, you can't. You can't. Uh, you know, and, and not to mention, I mean, things like what happened yesterday. We haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, Donald Trump came out in an interview and adopted the Barack Obama America can't talk to other countries about civil liberties because our record is so bad. Uh, argument. Oh my gosh, I didn't uh, even see that. Yeah, and, and not to mention, in the same interview, said we would not. Good gosh, we would not defend our allies in NATO, which would be breaking a gigantic treaty that we. Wasn't that for the same decades. the same day that we found out that Melania Trump was a huge fan of Michelle Obama? Mm. <laughs> I just, I, 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 you know, I look, know. you I, again, I understand I if you're going to if you're if you think, hey, look, Hillary's bad enough. I got to vote for Donald Trump, even though hey, I, I get I, it. I, I got to hold my nose and do it. I, I get it. Totally get that. I totally get it. But I mean, can you really expect Ted Cruz to come out and give a, a heartfelt endorsement of this guy? Yeah, see, I can I can live about? in this country. I can live in the country that speaks to each other this way. Glenn, you got to support you got to support Trump because Hillary Clinton is so bad. I know, but my conscience will not allow me to put my name on a piece of paper that say that says I support and endorse this man because I can't. And that doesn't mean that I endorse Hillary because I couldn't do that either. But Glenn, that means that she possibly can win. I know that's not my fault. I did everything I could. Mm-hmm. And you probably did everything you could, but I can't. Put, I take my vote as individual, not a collective. I am not a collectivist. I am an individual. And when I put my name down against somebody at this point in our country's history, I have to believe that they will protect and defend the Constitution. Now, you might think that that, is, that Donald Trump will do that or that he will be better than Hillary. I understand that. I completely understand that. And I do not condemn anyone because I know there are really good Americans who are like, I got my back against the wall. And I, I, I have to. I understand that. I really do. I understand it. And, and, and I can live in a world where we agree to disagree on that, where you're not my enemy you're not my enemy because you you now find yourself in an impossible situation because I get it because I believe that many people not all not the Trump you know not the Trump diehards that have been there for the from the beginning but I mean the people who are now he was their last choice and I believe there's a lot of people I know I know I'm in the vast minority I know that and I don't feel comfortable telling you that my choice is right. My choice is right for me. I can't tell you that my choice is right for you and everybody else. It's right for me. And 
I believe there are a lot of people right now that they would have never voted for Donald Trump. But that's the candidate now. And they have to vote for Donald Trump in their mind because of Hillary Clinton. And I completely get that. But if you are honest, you know that it's going to take a lot for you to pull that lever. We have been saying for four years now, at least, we're not going to do it again. We're not going to go. It's not a surprise. We're not going to go with the lesser of two evils. We're, We're just we're done with it. We've all made each other that pledge, yeah. and that's a pledge we're all sticking yeah. to. And I'm not going to do it. Yeah, and it's funny, and taking it out of politics for a second, people turn on the radio, turn on the TV to listen to these shows for what reason? If, if we were on the air telling you how good we think this guy is and how you got to get out there and fight for him, why would you ever trust us again on anything We've been telling you the exact opposite of that for a year and and multiple years if you go way back. We've been talking about this for a long time. If you listen to a show in which the person is telling you how good they think Donald Trump is when you know because you've been listening for multiple years that they don't actually believe it, why the hell do you listen to that show? Well, I will tell you right now, here's, here's one reason why people are listening to shows like that. Because I think people need to feel validation. They need to feel, they are so torn up inside. They're afraid for their country. They see what's going to happen to the Supreme Court. They don't like the choices that they're making, but they want somebody to tell them that it's okay and make them feel good about it. Here's what I will say to you. It's okay if you've done your homework. And quite honestly, in my opinion, if you've prayed on it, and this is what you feel you must do, then you must vote your conscience without condemnation. Don't carry it around yourself. We're at a place that we have no good choices. My choice is not a good choice. Your choice is not a good choice. It's just not a good choice. There are people who despise Hillary Clinton because they know that she is corrupt to the core. But they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton because they think that that Donald Trump is a nightmare. There are also those people who cannot vote for Hillary Clinton that do not want Donald Trump. And they know what a danger in their mind Donald Trump is. And they know in their mind that Hillary Clinton is better than Donald Trump. They're not going to vote for Hillary Clinton because their conscience won't let them do it. This is at a place to where there are no good choices. There are those people, but I think they're in the minority, that love Hillary Clinton and will dismiss everything she's ever done. And there's probably an equal number of people that love Donald Trump and will dismiss everything that he's ever done. Well, I think those, I, I, don't, I don't understand those people. And that's fine. And that's fine. I want to talk to the people who actually try to put thought and conscience into it. If you've come to a place to where you're like, Glenn, Hillary Clinton is too dangerous. You have to vote for Donald Trump. That's fine. You're going to vote for Donald Trump. I'm not going to, but I'm not going to try to change your mind because this is a vote of conscience. The information is all out there now. 
You're not going to tell me anything new that's going to change my mind. I know who Hillary is. I know what's going to happen to the Supreme Court. Hell, I'm the guy most likely that told you what was coming before you knew what was coming. So I get it. You think you live in a scary world with all of the possibilities of what's ahead of us? You think you fought them out? Believe me, Jack. Believe me. I was there eight years ago. You don't want to see what's in my head now. So I got it. The information is out there. We will continue to make the case of Hillary Clinton only because there's nobody making that case in the mainstream media. Now, that information is up for you to spread as much as you can to get the truth, well-documented truth, out. And we're replaying it again this week. Yeah, we're doing it. That's why we're doing the serials. Because a lot of people don't know. But we're not the ones to make the case against Hillary Clinton to Hillary Clinton supporters. They're not going to listen to us. But we'll continue to get that information out so you can disseminate it in any way you feel you can get that information out. I'm not going to continue to bash Donald Trump. I am going to continue to tell Donald Trump and report the news And if I feel it's big enough to tell you, well, this is what that means, and here's why this is not right, I will do that. But the information is out on Donald Trump. And if you're in your place now, nothing's going to change it. Nothing's going to change my mind either. And that's okay. If you need validation to feel good, I will tell you, stop it. The only validation you need is you're smart enough to figure it out. Don't let anybody tell you what to do or what not to do. Don't let me tell you not to vote for Donald Trump. Don't let somebody else to tell you vote for Donald Trump. This is your personal decision. Once you feel you have enough facts, pray on it, make your decision, and move on, and move on. If you, there are people who are undecided yet, invite them to join you on whatever your path is. But have enough confidence in yourself that you're smart enough to figure it out and others are smart enough to figure it out as well without the anger, the vitriol, without the lies and the name-calling. Just present the facts. I personally... I'm done. I've made my decision. My decision is my decision. Your decision is your decision. Can we not respect one another enough to say, brother, I know it's a tough one. I don't contemn you for doing it. I honestly, I hope that Donald Trump wins and is the guy that everyone who are his, his supporters say he is. I really hope that that's what happens. I know who Hillary Clinton is, and I don't think there's a chance of this going this way. I don't think there's a chance that the Republican Party survives it, and I don't think the Republican Party survives the the presidency of Donald Trump. I'm not sure the country survives either of them. I can't put my name on either of them because, to me, that's a condemnation of my soul. You may not think that. You may think that's ridiculous. That's okay. It's, it's personal. It's my conscience. 
It's personal. But I will tell you this. I hope whoever the president is, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, I hope that they are successful constitutionally for the United States of America because they're the, they're, they're the choices. Those are the two. Okay. I hope the Constitution survives. And now this. Several large national retailers are closing their doors and selling off the inventory. But it's not the stuff. It's not the, it's not the shirts or the pants or the, even the, the cash registers and the tables that are worth anything. The value of customer data is skyrocketing. Selling your personal information is very lucrative. And that's what's happening on the, on the open market and on the black market. The question is, is your information safe? Identity theft is the fastest growing crime and LifeLock has you backed. They scan hundreds of millions of transactions each, cent, uh, each second. If they see a problem, they alert you. If there is a problem, they'll help you fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft, but memberships start at $9.99 a month, and they are there for you. LifeLock.com or call 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK for 15, uh, 10% off. It is 800-440-4936. 800-440-4936. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. This week, America is seeing the vision of Trump's America. What does he feel we're, we're capable of doing and where he feels we need to go? Next week is Hillary's America. The problem is you're not really going to see Hillary's America. You're not really going to see the Democrat or better yet, the progressive idea of America because that agenda is usually hidden and Buried in history. Nobody ever wants to talk about the progressive history and the history of the Democratic Party. Well, there are a few people that do. Dinesh D'Souza is on the cutting edge of this correction of history. He's got a book out, Hillary's America. And opening this weekend, The Secret History of the Democratic Party, Hillary's America and the Secret History. The Secret History is not that secret. You just have to look for it. He has and has put it together in an amazing movie. He's here with us to talk about Hillary's America. We begin right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to I start with this. I'm not going to ask Dinesh anything about politics um, today because I believe uh, that only leads to more division and, uh, and leads us to a place to where the Kasich people and the Trump people and the Cruz people and the Scott Walker people... Everybody needs to see this movie. The Clinton 
people need to see this movie. The Bernie Sanders people need to see this movie. Um, Because this is, in my opinion, most likely the person who is going to be leading the free world. And it is terrifying if you don't know who she really is. Uh, And it's beyond Hillary Clinton. Um, I think we're getting to a place to where the parties are more important even than, especially with the progressives uh, and the uh, left, the parties are more important than the the president. Uh, the, the, the agenda now is so set in stone, and it is an agenda that started at the Civil War. Welcome to the program, Dinesh. Uh, Glenn, great to be on the show. Um, yes, it's, it's absolutely right. The roots of all the stuff that's going on, on with Hillary and the progressives and the Democrats now, you can see it uh, trace itself back. Some of it to the 20th century, some of it to the early 20th century, some of it to the 19th century. Hillary was asked recently about whether she was a liberal. And uh, she said, no, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm an early 20th century progressive. Progressive. And, of course, there was an early 20th century progressive movement. Now, the bizarre thing is that early 20th century progressive movement was thoroughly saturated in eugenics, social Darwinism, racism, um, racism, horrible stuff, uh, and also forced sterilization. It it ended up being an inspiration to the Nazis in the 1930s. It was Um, it was a fascistic communist socialist movement. That's all it was. They hadn't they hadn't really decided that on anything other than they didn't want blood in the streets of a revolution, but they know they needed uh, an authoritarian dictator of some sort up at the top. That's who it really was. I was shocked when she said that, because to say I'm a progressive is one thing, but she specifically said an early 20th century American progressive. Those people were horror shows. I think we see here how Hillary, although connected to Obama, the two of them are different. They both are Alinskyites. They were both sort of mentored by Alinsky. But Obama, of course, has that uh, third world dimension to him that came through his father and through Kenya. Uh, Hillary is is kind of an all-American phenomenon, uh, but she situates herself in this, I think, very sordid American tradition. Uh, it's hard to believe she doesn't know about it because oh, she does. Uh, when she came to Houston, of course, in 2009, she, took, she got the Margaret Sanger Award. And very self-consciously, she praised Margaret Sanger. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, she placed herself in that tradition. And, um, and I think most people are kind of misled by this because they think, well, of course, Margaret Sanger was for spacing your, your children. No, uh, and, or, or having fewer children. And, and, and I, I keep saying, well, no, Margaret Sanger was for having more children if you are educated and upper class and white and fewer or no children if you are dark skinned. And um, Margaret Sanger would not have liked you. Margaret Sanger would not have liked me. And but Hillary Clinton doesn't like you either. And Margaret Sanger would be also be very happy about the fact that uh, African-Americans have a disproportionate share of the abortions in this country, yes. uh, that many of the Planned Parenthood clinics are in inner cities, um, so that Margaret Sanger's infamous Negro project, which has been right now removed from the catalogs of Planned Parenthood, but in a sense, the Negro project continues, and it's now called Planned Parenthood, because yeah. uh, you don't see Planned Parenthood very, very much in the, in the rest of America. Your movie, which did here in Texas, it opened in Texas last weekend, a week early, um, did phenomenal numbers, uh, just phenomenal numbers. 
opens up this weekend all across the um, country. Uh, and it, it does a it, – it's not a documentary. I mean, it, it is a, it's a movie. I mean, it has documentary elements to it. But you've done a great job in bringing, for instance, the Klan to life. You have – you've shown clearly – the different phases of the Democratic Party uh, where Republicans never owned a slave. Democrats, it wasn't the South, guys. It was Democrats. That's, that was the slave uh, victors. And the proof of that is that most Southerners, of course, did not own slaves. Most Confederate soldiers didn't own slaves. Uh, and the Northern Democrats uh, were just as protective of slavery as the Southern Democrats. Stephen Douglas, who was the leader of the Northern Democrats, his whole point of popular sovereignty was to allow each state to decide for itself if it wanted slavery. And that was to make sure that slavery remained in America. And and, and Douglas also thought it would be cool if it spread to other countries. And that slavery was made permanent. In other words, there would never be abolition. And this is a Northern Democrat. So when people say this, the, the slavery battle was the anti-slavery North and the pro-slavery South... Actually, it was the anti-slavery Republican Party versus the pro-slavery Democratic Party. Is it amazing to you that, um, because in Ted Cruz's speech last night, I know you were on a plane, you didn't see it, but um, in Ted Cruz's speech last night, he is the first, at least at at a convention that I have seen, a major speaker who, who drew these parallels and said, the Republicans freed the slaves. The Republicans stopped the Democratic Jim Crow laws. The Republicans were the civil rights leaders. Nobody says that. Nobody even knows that. Right. I mean, even, even the people who know about slavery um, concede that the Democrats did the civil rights movement. And that they're thinking of the civil rights movement of, of the 60s. And the Democrats say, of course, that Johnson pushed it and Goldwater opposed the Civil Rights Act of 64. Um, number one, that ignores the whole civil rights movement of the 1860s. By the way, that's the movement that passed the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery, the 14th Amendment, equal rights under the law, and the 15th Amendment, the right to vote. So if those things weren't put in the Constitution, none of the civil rights changes of the 60s would even be possible because they had to be anchored in constitutional guarantees and provisions. The Republicans put those into the Constitution with massive democratic opposition. Uh, But even the civil rights movement of the 60s would not have been possible without the Republicans. Uh, Goldwater was kind of anomalous. Uh, His objection to the Civil Rights Act was sort of technical and and not entirely invalid. Uh, His basic point was that the civil rights movement is trying to outlaw private discrimination, and that's outside the authority of government to be able to do. But nevertheless, most Republicans didn't feel that way, and more Republicans proportionately supported the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, even the Fair Housing Bill of 68, than Democrats did. So how did the switch happen? Well, you know what, before that, let let me go here. The infection did uh, come into the uh, Republican Party on some things, not with race, I don't think. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, Because I think, you know, Theodore Roosevelt was was great on race. You know, uh, Booker T. Washington, he got a lot of heat for inviting him to the White House and sitting down and being friends with him and working together with him. So not with race, um, but the infection of 
what I would call modern-day slavery. What's happening in Detroit? What's happening in Philadelphia? You're a slave to that system. Your kids can't get out of that system. Your kids can't get out because they don't have good schools, because you're trapped in those schools. But the, that mentality of progressivism being introduced by the federal government, that came from the Republicans. And we're still fighting that internally today. The Democrats completely surrendered to it. But that fight is still alive inside the, Demo- the Republican Party. I was at an airport recently and ran into the African-American pastor, Eugene Rivers. He's um, uh, an urban pastor in the Boston area. And it reminded me that years ago he had made a shocking statement in, in an article he wrote in which he said that in our city we, ha- we are raising urban young black males who do not even have the skills to be useful slaves. And it startled people, but what he actually meant, I think, is quite right, that the slaves were masons and weavers and agricultural workers, and so they had skills. And then when slavery ended, they could go get jobs, uh, and they could perform useful services, they could earn money, they could establish families. But that wasn't the concern of the people at the time, uh, the people who were for releasing the slaves but were concerned about the slaves they, they were concerned about their general level of education, but they were more concerned that you release people who have just been oppressed for 150 years, they're going to come and kill everybody. It wasn't generally the thought of who's going to take care of them. Because Not at they, all. Yeah, they knew In fact, they, you could almost say that the bigger concern was who was going to take care of the masters, right? Because, yes, yes. because if you run a plantation, the slaves do all the work and you don't have them anymore. Now you have to do all the work right. and you're not accustomed to doing it. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, but today, when you look at these urban plantations, and by the way, look at the chilling resemblance between the old plantation and the new, right? In both cases, we start with a ramshackle dwelling, right? It used to be called a slave quarter. Now it's public housing or some urban apartment. Uh, then you see broken down family. Illegitimacy is widespread. The family structure disintegrated. We see that here today. Then you have a high degree of violence that is necessary to keep the place intact. The slave owners understood that you can't hold a plantation together if there's not the threat of violence at all times. Um, inner cities. One reason we have all this inner city unrest, urban shootings, targeting of cops. Part of it is that the, the liberal plantation is sort of boiling over. Um, then you have a meager... Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that, that the violence in the cities is not necessarily planned, but condoned by the Democratic Party to keep people in place? No, I'm saying that, you know, um, liberals often talk about, like, let's look at the root cause. What is the root cause of this urban unrest? What is the root cause? The immediate cause may be that you've got a guy who read some black Muslim propaganda and then went and got a gun or Black Lives Matter. But what is the root cause? Why is there so much discontent that makes the job of a cop in these areas so difficult and makes the whole thing so... Uh, on a hair trigger? And the answer is that these people are living unlivable lives. Without hope. Without hope. They have a meager provision, right? There's food stamps, and, and, and if you're sick, they'll call the doctor. But that was even true on the plantation. If you got sick, they'd call the doctor, but no one got ahead. No hope, a kind of nihilism that defined the plantation. Mm-hmm. And there's a nihilism that defines inner city life today. Um, and, uh, and this is the legacy of the Democratic Party now, 
meaning who runs inner-city Oakland? Are there any Republicans there to take responsibility? No. Democratic mayors, Democratic school superintendents, Democratic officials and aldermen, the whole thing is Democratic all the way through. And not only Democratic, but it is also mainly African-American. When you look at Detroit, the leadership has been African-American for a very long time, reflective of the community. But the Republicans who aren't there... And the whites, who are in the vast minority in the government, in the leadership, um, they're not there. And yet it is the white Republican that gets the blame. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you come in and propose to change it, if you want to gentrify the inner city, bring in new businesses, set up lofts and encourage young people to start Internet businesses, uh, create jobs, what do you find? The progressives in those areas oppose it. They fight you tooth and nail. They're like, keep this neighborhood the way it was. Why? Because they know that if you, have, if you suddenly have commerce, you have opportunity, you, you start building some ladders for people to climb up, they're going to go, well, maybe I don't need the Democratic Party. Maybe I'm not going to... Maybe So the dependency, I think, is the reason why the Democrats have allowed these things to continue. Because think about it, it's been 50 years. All of this started 50 years ago. Trillions of dollars have been pumped to transform the inner cities. They're pretty much the same as they were in 1968. And I guess I'm suggesting that's because the one big difference between the plantation today and in the past is the plantation today delivers the vote. In other words, these are people who continue to monolithically vote in the, the ruling party that keeps Which is them. what the founders, why the founders said to the three-fifth clause, because they knew the plantation owners would control them, control the information, and they didn't want those, those slaves to count because they knew once the plantation owners controlled the slaves and could count one for one, they would never stop slavery. It's, it's a fascinating parallel. Back with more in just a second with Dinesh D'Souza. Hillary's America, the secret history of the Democratic Party, a major motion picture opens Uh, nationwide this Friday or Thursday? Well, it opens early today, uh, Thursday, but... It is Thursday today. Yeah, it opens on the weekend. Okay, so make sure you see it. Um, uh, This is... Dinesh is is, um, a fantastic filmmaker and got together with um, uh, Jerry Mullen, who did um, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and everything else. Tremendous film. Uh, You don't want to miss it. And bring a friend, bring an open-minded friend uh, to this this weekend. Uh, our sponsor this half, our American Financing. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, How much stress is in your life right now? Most stress is caused in families because they fall behind, they fall into debt, uh, and you're supporting a growing family and the worry and the stress. I mean, it's just, it's just very bad. If you feel like you're getting further and further behind, let American Financing consolidate those high-interest debts into one manageable monthly payment. Interest rates are now at all-time lows, and it is a great time to refinance and consolidate your debts. Lowering your just your interest rates could save you as much as $500 to $1,000 every month. Think about how much you could pay down if you could save $1,000 a month. You want to buy a home, you want to refinance, you want to take advantage of the low interest rates. Now is the time to do it. And the people that do it with credibility that do not work for the banks, they're not on commissions. They work for you to find the right loan. American Home Loan, uh, or sorry, American Financing. They're the 
the America's home for home loans, American Financing. Go to AmericanFinancing.net at 866-750-6551, 866-750-6551, AmericanFinancing.net. Take you 10 minutes to qualify, a week to close, AmericanFinancing.net. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be This is the Glenn Beck Program. How strange. Yeah, it was very strange. It was very brilliant, though. What he said at the end was very brilliant. Welcome to the program. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza is here. Hillary's America, the secret history of the Democratic Party. Bring a friend. Go to the theaters this weekend. Not only are you going to get a lot out of it, this is another way for a real conservative movie to make an impact and dent the universe uh, with the studio systems and, uh, and, and with the theaters to make sure more movies like this with this point of view can come out. So it's important on two levels. Really important for people to understand, not just Hillary Clinton, because that, that's important. But I think what you do in this movie that is so important, it's way beyond Hillary Clinton. This is the truth, the true history uh, of the Democratic Party that most people don't have any idea well, if we think about the upcoming Democratic convention, we're going to be getting their official narrative. And their official narrative is going to be something to this effect. Well, Hillary might be a little bit shady, perhaps, but we are the party of the little guy, yep. of the ordinary man. We have always looked out for the outsider, the immigrant, the minorities, Latinos. We're the ones who liberated the blacks. We're the ones who did civil rights. So this is their official narrative. Well, they're, they're coming out uh, with uh, Michael Brown's mom on Tuesday, and it's important that Dinesh corrects this history before the convention so you know it. We'll talk about that and take you through that history when we come back. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. Welcome back to the program. Dinesh D'Souza is with us. His uh, new book is uh, Hillary's America, the history of the Democratic Party, which is also a new movie that is opening nationwide this weekend. Really important for several reasons. Uh, but one, the Democratic Party uh, has their convention next week, and they are going to be telling a tale that is 180 degrees the opposite of the truth when it comes to race relations, etc., etc., they are not the party that ended slavery. They're not the party of the civil rights movement. And, and you, can see their, 
you can see the, um, the similar patterns. They'll want to tell you that they've changed. But Dinesh, tell me the difference between when they started the Klan. Uh, the Klan was the Democratic enforcement arm. Um, and when the, the Klan was running through, the, um, the Democrats got their cities and their towns to take away the guns from, the, from blacks and said, because the Klan is out for your protection, we have to confiscate all of the guns. Once they disarmed the black man, he was a sitting duck and the lynchings just went through the roof. Now, here they are, African-Americans, sitting ducks, and that they've convinced for your protection... We have to take away all the guns. And they're getting slaughtered in their own homes, which keeps them in fear and keeps them needing the man. This is the point about history that we think, you know, we need to know history so we don't repeat it. But history is, uh, is continuing to the, the past lives in the present. Yes. Um, and all of this stuff is not as old as we think. But Robert Byrd, who was um, the head of his local Ku Klux Klan, ended up being a distinguished Democratic senator. Um, when Byrd died, I believe 2010, Hillary proclaimed him her mentor. Uh, Obama and, and Bill Clinton both went to his funeral. Now, Obama didn't touch the subject of Byrd having been in the Klan, but Bill Clinton did. And he made a very interesting statement. He goes, um, he goes well, yeah, of course, um, Robert Byrd was in the Klan, but you had to be in the Klan to advance in the Democratic Party. Kind of an interesting statement and a true statement showing the great power of the Klan, uh, which would sometimes hold Democratic primaries of its own to decide who the actual Democratic candidate would be, which Klansmen would actually get to be put forward. Uh, and this is all part of our history. Now, the progressives, their genius is that they dominate academia, the media, Hollywood. Yep. And so they're able to spin these stories and cover things up, even when they'll admit progressives will talk about Ida B. Wells as somebody who fought lynching. They'll never mention she was a Republican. Uh, this is the black journalist who would, who would, who would expose um, the, uh, the lynchings um, in the South. And, um, and, uh, and gun control, uh, as you point out, had a racist motive. Well, also, from the, it came from the 30s. I mean, our gun control laws in the 60s really were modeled after... Hitler gun control laws in the, from the 1930s in Germany, which I think came over from Joe Kennedy. One of the Kennedys brought it over uh, from Germany, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I was shocked to read. Um, um, I, I had known about the complicity of the Democrat, Democratic Party in racism and white supremacy, but I didn't know how much the party was in bed with the fascists in the 1930s. Oh, big time. Um, and, uh, in fact, young JFK uh, went to Nazi Germany in the 30s. Uh, he came back. How old was he? Uh, he was, I think, in his 20s. Uh, so he was a young man. But nevertheless, he, was not, he wasn't, he wasn't a, uh, in, in school or something. But he was uh, super impressed. He calls Hitler a legend. He goes, most of the opposition to Hitler is due to jealousy. And oh, he wow. goes that the Nazis claim to be that the Nordic man is superior. Uh, and he goes, that's because he probably is. This is, uh, this is JFK. Now, uh, FDR wow. did not admire Hitler, but FDR admired Mussolini. Mm-hmm. Uh, and FDR saw Mussolini and the Italian fascism as kind of ahead of the New Deal. 
In other words, going further with planning and kind of org- directing state yes. capitalism. So he sent members of his brain trust to Italy to study Italian fascism, bring those ideas over here. And interestingly, Mussolini reviews FDR's book. He's super impressed. Uh, he essentially declares FDR to be a fascist, just like him. Now, after World War II, with the odor of the Holocaust, the, once again, the progressive, it's almost like the progressives need a cleanup crew. Uh, and they go in and they go, whoa, this is super embarrassing. We need to kind of put this under the rug for now. And not, let's not highlight this in the textbooks. So we are, um, this movie isn't just about Hillary, as you, as you know. It's contesting this larger story of American history. Uh, and exposing the, the fact that there's a sordid strain in the Democratic Party that goes way, way back. I'm not even sure Reagan knew this, because I remember as a young Reagan. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I don't think he was Ronald Wilson Reagan. Right. I don't believe that up until really this generation, we have really been aware of the progressive strain and the progressive history and the way it has all come together and, and who these guys really are. Think of what Reagan would say. He'd say, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, it left me. So the assumption was the Democratic Party was a good party. And only recently, maybe in the 60s or the McGovern campaign, they went off the rails. But I, I think Reagan was unaware that there was a um, corrupt, larcenous, exploitative, murderous strain in the Democratic Party going all the way back to Andrew Jackson. I want to highlight something, if I may, about Jackson, because I think it's so, it, it foreshadows the Clinton Foundation. And this is the way that Andrew Jackson, uh, who would, um, you know, he was in the Indian Wars, uh, but he would know, I'm going to be taking the Choctaw, I'm going to be taking the Cherokee, and I'm going to be getting all these acres of land. So, very cunningly, before the actual relocation, he would send in his private surveyors and they would ascertain the value of that land and come and report it to him. Then he would go to some investors and say, hey, guys, let's bid early on that land and get it at bargain basement prices. So very often, Andrew Jackson and his cronies would buy the land before it was even up for auction. And that's how Andrew Jackson went from being dead broke. Famously, he was an orphan. He had no money. He went from being dead broke to being one of the richest men in the United States, having about, by today's standards, $200 million. Sound familiar? Yeah. In other words, the, the roots of the Clinton Foundation, Glenn, in my view, can be seen in the land-stealing policies of Andrew Jackson 150 years ago. Any way to turn this off at this point? I mean, you see now, and people don't understand. They think they're fighting something new. They think they're fighting something... Um, they think they're fighting people, you know what I mean? That, well, we got to defeat this individual. Defeating Hillary Clinton does not stop this because this is a, a system that has so ingrained itself and its tentacles are everywhere. There used to be a time when, uh, well, Bill Gates said this, I couldn't start Microsoft today and build what I built. I couldn't start it today. I couldn't do it. Um, the government is in every aspect of our life now. Can that be chopped back? I, th- I think it, has, it would have to be rolled back incrementally. Yeah, and, but we know it's very difficult. Even I remember in the Reagan days, uh, Reagan, um, Reagan could cut taxes, but it was very difficult for him to cut spending. 
in part because of these entrenched constituencies. And, and even if programs don't help you, it's difficult to let them go. You know, I think if we talked about the inner cities a moment ago, uh, I, I envisioned the Democrats sitting on a roof and they let down a rope and they asked the people down there, hang on to the rope. You don't need ladders of opportunity because then you have all the hard work of climbing. But if you hang on to the rope, we'll pull you up. But what the Democrats have figured out is that you pull people up, but then you hold. In other words, you suspend them in midair because at that point, they're still relying on you. If you pull them all the way up, they're going to get up and walk off. So what's happened is we've got whole communities that, and and the reason that they vote for the Democrats is that they're hanging in the middle of the air and they have no place to go. So this position of dependency is maintained, in a sense, in perpetuity. It's a very shameful legacy uh, of a party that purports to be the party of the little guy. Uh, Republicans don't do a good job, I think, in highlighting all this. We we distractedly start arguing about other uh, stuff, whereas what we should be doing is stripping the moral capital from the left and from the Democratic Party. That's what I try to do do in this movie. What was the thing that is you watching the audience? You're watching the audiences. What is the thing that happens? Give me one of them, Um, because I think there are several, but. Give me the thing that every time people go, oh, my gosh. I mean, I can't imagine watching this movie without um, Google open because you're like. The beauty of the film, and, and of course, the reason I wrote the book is that the book has chapter and verse. Because there, there was a guy, we had a screening in, in Houston, and we had the young black actor who plays the slave uh, who breaks free and is then stabbed by the, by the slave owner, uh, Gilbert, uh, the name of the slave. And this guy goes, he goes, I, I, I'm an actor. So he goes, people said, why are you willing to play a slave? And he goes, but I, I'm an actor. I play slaves. So he plays the role. But in the course of the movie, he sees all this stuff and it discombobulates him because he's like, is, it, is this stuff really true? I mean, is it really true that the Klan was started by a delegate to the Democratic National Convention? Is it really true the Democratic Party was the party of lynching? Is it really true that the Republican Party actually was instrumental in passing this? He, and so he's not a Republican yet, but he goes, I am now no longer a Democrat. I'm in the middle. He goes, I have to do my own research. Um, and so the, I think the beauty of this film is that the, the facts in it are accessible. I wrote the book yep. just to lay out the documentation, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more that you can't put in a movie because oh, the no. movie is the tip of the iceberg. But there are several moments in the film that where people, I think, do go, wow. I, I, um, uh, I remember I did a week on civil rights, and I told a lot of this history at Fox. And um, uh, had uh, Jack and Oscar. One was my floor director and, uh, or floor something, and the other one was, uh, uh, was cameraman. Both African-American. We became very close friends. I did, um, I did one episode on uh, the truth about this period of time and what was happening and who the heroes were and who the villains were. Oscar kept looking at me, just shaking his head the whole time, and like, I can't believe this. Jack turned his back to me and wouldn't let me see his face the whole time. And I thought I had done something to offend him. And I went up to him afterwards. I said, Jack, are you okay? And he just kind of brushed me off. And I said, if I said something, I, I, I don't, what did I do wrong? And he turned around and he was pissed. And he said, it's not you. He said, I've been lied to my entire life. Everything I was taught to believe about my race 
who the friends were, who the enemies were, who the heroes were, who the villains were. It's all wrong. It's all a lie. He was angry. And I will tell you that I think that people, when they see this, they are going to go through periods. If you don't know it, you are going to go through a period where you will see the, the scales fall from your eyes and you see how deep the progressive have distorted and destroyed history and, and fabricated an entire lie. I can feel this in, in the, the left-wing reviews of this film, which are uh, people are, are, are scrambling for how to attack it. Uh, they can't attack it factually. They have not been able to point to a single fact in the book or the movie that is wrong in any way. They don't. They can't. But you, you, you can tell that they're furious. And the reason they're furious, I think, is that it's very difficult to take a, a worldview yeah. and say, I was wrong. It's almost like becoming going from being an atheist to being a Christian because yeah. you're not changing the details of the worldview. It's the actual whole story that's wrong. Yeah. And, and you've been living by that story. That right. story has given you meaning. It is what it's, it's motivated what, you. It's what separates... Um, it, I think it's what separates us from the animals or at least honest men and good, decent, honest men from... Um, Liars, uh, people who will look at it and say, I don't want to believe that. That destroys everything that I thought was true. But if I want to live a decent and honorable life, if I want to be authentic on who I really am, the truth will set you free, but it will make you miserable first. It's going to make you miserable because it challenges everything that you thought was true. And now you have to look at the world with new eyes and you have a choice to make. I'm... Blue pill or red pill? Which one are you going to take? Yeah. Live in the matrix or not? Uh, Dinesh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Uh, The movie is opening up nationwide uh, this weekend. I urge you to go see it. Uh, And you can also pick up the book, Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democratic Party. The book has all of the footnotes and the facts and everything else. The movie, you don't want to watch a movie with footnotes. The movie is based on all of these facts. Really good, really well done, a must-watch, especially this weekend. Bring somebody uh, to it that is, is looking at, uh, at the Democratic Party and saying, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, these guys, bring them, bring them and make sure they see it this weekend. Now this, $13 trillion is the total amount of government bonds in the world that now have negative yields. Now this is according to uh, Bank of America, Mer- Merrill Lynch. 2015, a year ago, the total amount of negative yielding debt in the world was 3.6. That means a lot of people realize, crap, uh, I, don't, I can't do anything. I don't even trust a bank to keep my money safe. I will give it into the government, and I'll take less back in the end. Negative uh, government bonds, truly remarkable, especially that they've gone up in, in less than a year, $10 trillion worth. I urge you to call Goldline now and talk to them about gold or silver, their legal tender unit. Read all the important facts. Call them right now, 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
There is a really important event happening. We're doing our museum August 5th through the 7th at the Mercury Studios here in Las Colinas, Texas. If you're anywhere near the area, this is so worth coming and seeing the progressive history, Liars or Liberty, the Mercury Museum here at the studio. The doors are open August 5th through the 7th. Get your tickets right now. Just go to glenbeck.com Liars to find out how you can be a part of that and so much more. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The people who have seen